This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to our, um, our not our daily bears. This is uh, the Bear Dan, <laughs> um, and I am Matt Workman, and I'm joined as always by Joe. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing great. If Peter listens to this, he's gonna he's gonna come at me because he's we're we're trying to steal our daily podcast. I mean, technically, this is like a, a at this point we are we're our daily bears like adjacent podcast. So, so it should especially be like our daily podcast like two or something of that nature. Yeah, especially tonight. Um, we're very blessed to be joined by two special guests. First, we're joined by Brandon McKinnon, and he is a contributor for our daily, bodca- our daily podcast. And also, we are joined by his friend, Austin. Austin, why don't you all just introduce yourselves and tell you how you're doing tonight. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, doing well. Appreciate you letting me hop on. Um, I've been in our Daily Bears contributor for like four days. Ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, already have you know talked a bunch of slander and and said you know things that can't be taken back. But it's been a great ride so far. Hopefully, uh, Matt is bear doesn't fire me too quick. Um, but yeah, no, happy to be here. Our Daily Bears contributor on the men's basketball side, doing opponent previews. Um, but yeah, excited to talk some Baylor sports. And I'm often um, just grew up a Baylor super fan and uh, basically had my diapers changed on the tarp at Floyd Casey and uh, now am uh, just enjoying being an alumni and supporting the Bears um, pretty much my entire life. So I'm a diehard and thanks for having me. Okay, so that's like that's topic one. <laughs> I, I need is, is that literal you had you, you actually had your diaper changed on the tarp? You know, I don't think that I probably actually have the diaper change on the tarp. Maybe so. Maybe so in the benches, though, for Casey. I, my dad's <laughs> been a season ticket holder for many years and got to go to a lot of games growing up. And so the tarp's near and dear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's a that's a very Floyd Casey thing to hear is that there were be, that diapers being changed in the benches. Yeah, I miss that place so much. Yes. Near and dear. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't just toddler diapers being changed on the benches. Probably <laughs> were in there as well. <laughs> oh man, that's 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 great to hear. I'm stoked to have you guys on. Um, as some of you may know, I've also started writing some stuff for Our Daily Bears as well. So that's how how Brandon and I got to meet each other, and he's doing just absolutely stellar stuff on the basketball side of things. Um, which is why we brought him on tonight because there was a basketball game this past weekend that we're going to talk about in a little bit and a basketball game coming up this next weekend. Um, and he is much smarter than both Matt and I combined on anything that has to do with basketball. So Brandon stoked to have you on, um, and, and really can't wait to, to hear all of that stuff. Matt, what we got first up tonight, what do you want to talk about? Well, I thought we'd just start there and let's just um, let's just kick it over to Brandon and just start with the uh, the Villanova game and 
what were your thoughts watching that game and um, how you watched it and basically what your takeaways were? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I actually, I'm a season ticket holder for men's basketball. Sounds much more prestigious than it is. I bought the GA tickets for 170 bucks for the whole season. So I go shoulder to shoulder with the current students and line up early to make sure I actually get a seat in the feral. Um, so I was there uh, with a bunch of buddies and, and man, that was, it was probably, I would say like a top three feral center experience of my life. Like, especially for a non-conference game. I mean, it was loud from start to finish. Like nobody left really that was a Baylor fan until after the Jonathan Chamwa Chachua and one dunk with like, you know, 30 seconds left. So um, it was an electric atmosphere. I think the only thing that was close was maybe the the Kansas game in in 2017 in terms of what I've been to, because I think, you know, we had a down year and then with COVID, like we were kind of in and out, but it was a top experience at the Farrell Center. Um, Yeah, my initial thoughts were, uh, as I was watching, I was like, man, I hope that nobody uh, took the over like I recommended in my article because it was probably one of the best defensive matchups I've ever seen uh, on a college basketball court. Um, so that's my initial thoughts. I could ramble forever, but I'd love to hear what you guys thought too and how you watched and yeah, similar things. Yeah, like uh, it reminded me, I think the last like last time I remember seeing a huge, loud, raucous crowd was probably like West Virginia 2019. Mm-hmm, that yeah. was the when when we had the the great Matthew Mayer dunk um mm-hmm. in that yeah. game uh but dude yeah on TV it, it absolutely came through it was it was stellar to see that place packed um and and I, I loved every second of it like you said like it was it was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen this team really has a knack for getting in there and like pulling the ball away and not committing fouls where mm-hmm. 90% of people that try to do what they do. I feel like they're going to get a foul called on them and we don't have that. Uh, but God, it was, it was just sweet, man. 21 points. Yeah. That's a, that's a big victory over the number six team. Yeah, it is. I, I think you make a great point on, on what they do defensively without getting fouls called. And I think it, it really comes down to coaching because I think most Baylor fans would have anticipated a step back defensively because you lose Davion Mitchell, who was probably mm. the best individual NCAA men's basketball defenders we've seen in a long time. And you think, you know, we built so much of our defensive scheme around him last year and then just playing aggressive help defense. Um, but this year we have guys that just, they play with their arms wide out to close passing lanes and they move their feet really damn fast. And I just think that's a testament to what Drew and his coaching staff are doing to where we can build a scheme that puts our players at, a, at an advantage and not really having people on as much of an island. So, yeah, I agree. 100%. So tell me, tell me if I'm crazy, because a thought that has popped into my head watching this team a few times this year is that the roster makeup that we have is, is what drew used to try to do with like the super long, super versatile guys that don't necessarily fit into one position. Yeah. And, but back then we were running the zone and now what he's saying is we're going to unleash their athleticism on defense and play man to man. Yeah. Like that's what I feel like this team is. I think it's a great point because when he used that previously to play zone, if, if we're being honest, not to take anything away from those teams, they laid the foundation to get us where we are today, but we didn't have the athletes to be able to play man. You mm. know, let's use the length that they have. But now you see guys that I've, you know, I've, I've not seen the lateral quickness out of a guy who's realistically playing stretch three, four, like Sohan or Brown right away at 18 years old. And Drew's able to coach to that and use that. So yeah, I agree, Joe. 
you're right. I don't think you're crazy at all. What does it say about, um, in your opinion, about the team where we obviously shots weren't falling that normally fall offensively, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. still able to be in a top 10 team by 21 points? Yeah. I think um, so. When, yeah. When I at the stadium, I, I was, I just got caught up in the atmosphere. So I didn't realize how bad we were shooting. I yeah. was just up in the fact that we were, we held Villanova to nine points, you know, and they were stuck on, you know, there was that stretch where they really went two seven minute stretches in the first half without scoring a point, which is insane, which means that all of their points really came in um, a six minute, you know, six minute span. Um, and so I think like a, a true picture of what, the effort on our team looks like is in terms of not getting down on themselves and they're having a poor offensive game is what you saw Matthew Meyer do. He had probably one of his, you know, just a down game offensively, but he had one of the impact plays defensively sprinting down the court and getting a block. And I think that's just such a testament to what the team is this year. I know it's early and and I'm the biggest overreactor (laughs) when it's a good thing for, for my teams of I'm ready to crown us again, probably, but, I mean, you, you see a guy like Meyer who's on the national champion team has a, has an off shooting night by his standards and he's showing the most hustle on the defensive side of the floor. I mean, I think that it just, it's a testament to, to the heart that the team has and the, the willingness to put in the work to be great again. So. God, I love it. Ah, just thinking about Meyer, it back to back. Austin, I, how'd you watch? I watched, um, I watched on TV as well. And I, similar to you guys, um, I'm no basketball aficionado. Like you said, I referred to Brandon for most of the things that I need from a statistical and logistical standpoint. But I mean, I know that 36 points isn't good. So I mean, (laughs) I did about that. Um, And I would also say that like Meyer and the rest of the good shooters on the team, Cryer and uh, Flagler and those guys like, yeah, they didn't have their best shooting night, but I don't think we lack confidence. And so I don't really see that like, coming into another game like I think even going into the next one and the rest of non-conference play I really think we're going to be all right because they have no no hesitation when it comes to popping the ball so I think we're going to be all right but I watched and thought it was awesome and was really proud like Brandon said that the Farrell Center was uh was packed because uh that uh that doesn't happen as often as it should mm-hmm. yeah I mean we brought like uh Dickie V like to tears yeah I I wanted to talk about that actually Matt. that's a good point um I think as, as awesome as it was to be a, a true blue blood program like Villanova as handily as we did, um, one of the coolest things, and I think it speaks to the Baylor culture, is, is the extra step that we went for Dickie V. I mean, having Mac Rhodes and Scott Drew think to put that jersey together for him and then Drew to do that video where he goes, yeah, baby, like Dickie V. I mean, it was incredible. Um, and Dickie V, I, I tweeted and or was live on his Instagram and was talking about how it was such a great setting and how much Baylor meant to him in that one moment. And that was his first time in Waco. Like yeah. I think that's such a cool thing. So we need to talk more about the Scott Drew, like Dickie V like impersonation, which we need more of that. I think from Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if I could handle more of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's part of his recruiting pitch. If he puts on like a Frank Caliendo, I'll impersonate your favorite XYZ Taylor. <laughs> but I think if he if he doesn't already, he should put that in the holster. I can't oh wait to God. see his like Bill Walton. <laughs> so it's funny you say that. I'm actually I'm just because we're playing a Pac-12 opponent this upcoming weekend. I'm I'm doing a just a Bill Walton plug in, in the article for the opponent preview because I think it's anytime you play a Pac-12 team, you have to. But yeah, no, I agree. His Bill Walton would be incredible. 
man, Bill Walton, Bill Walton makes watching Pac-12 basketball like super late at night actually worth it. Yes. Especially when it's especially when it's, you know, like Oregon State versus Cal and you just do not care whatsoever about the game. And he's just going off on some tangent about acid or one time that he went to Burning Man or something. Every time I I watch it, I'm, I'm, I'm certain like he's he's totally high. For sure. Yeah. He is down in peyote while he's, while he's calling his game. <laughs> I, my, I loved it when he was on college game day. I don't know if you guys caught that. And, and they like Herb Street, who's normally in charge of keeping Corso in line, had to play double duty and make sure Walton didn't do anything too crazy. <laughs> oh my God. I, I could see Walton bringing his own mascot head. Yeah. 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 And he has one. Like, it's not even, for, not even for game day. He's like, I just carry yeah. this around. <laughs> <laughs> he's like y'all don't do this <laughs> so austin or a second ago you talked about like like you know scoring or holding a team to 36 points that's that's pretty good so i it just made me think there's a david k tweet that came out right after the game about uh it said before limiting villanova to 36 points today the last time baylor held any team to 36 or fewer points dickie v was 11 years old Wow. And that was, was 111. Yeah, it, it was December 5th, 1950. And Paul Harvey News and Comment debuted. The Thing by Phil Harris was the number one song. And Baylor beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi 52 to 33. Wow. I was going to be a little bit more excited if you didn't say the Corpus Christi, but that's still an amazing stat. <laughs> it's still Dude, part of the awesome. Aggie network. So that's right. We beat A&M that bad. Yeah, that, well, that's, technically, that's all that I don't think it was Texas A&M Corpus Christi in 1950. It probably wasn't. Yeah, I think it was a different name. Where well, I kind of want to know. So I got corrected by my my buddy who I'm in a group message with. He got his undergrad at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and he corrected. We sent the tweet out like in a you know screenshot, and he's like, "Well, actually, it wasn't Texas A&M Corpus Christi in 1950 because <laughs> he's a like Islander uh, alum, so he was on point with that." Um, I think it was just like Corpus Christi University, maybe, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. But before it was kind of like brought into the Texas A&M University system. We'll still we'll still we'll still keep it as the Aggies. That's yeah, we'll, for we'll, sure. We'll claim that. That's a I missed that basketball rivalry. That was so fun. It was. It makes me think if I remember when I was I was like I think I was still in high school and I was sitting with my dad because the game wasn't on TV. I was sitting there listening to the radio and that like. With his like five overtime, the five OT. Oh, the that five was in College time. Station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with it was Curtis Gerald's and uh, and like the, 05 or something. And Rogers. That was a heck of a team. Do y'all? So I was at that time. I was living at the Outpost, the apartments, um, yeah. <laughs> and I listened to it on the radio there in in my apartment. Man, it was a great one. It's always fun to beat the Aggies. If I'm not mistaken, that year was also the year that they when they came to Waco. They stopped the game and ended it with like two seconds left on the clock because we were throwing stuff on the court. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I remember that. That was wild. Not really very often you're gonna get Baylor fans getting that rowdy. That, that was crazy. that rivalry, man. I miss it. I miss it. We need to we need to play them in basketball more. Though they suck now. So you know. Yeah, just, but they and they're the reason that Langston Love is is hurt. And so I'm mm basketball right now dude so austin austin and i are in are in a group text with two of our other buddies that have season tickets and you know how on on apple you can like name your group text now i'm as as high as i am on jeremy sohan i'm even more high on langston love and i just named our 
who texts Langston Love is tall because he's a six six point guard. <laughs> I saw the tweet that he tore his ACL. I was so bummed, but I'm probably fast forwarding like 365 days. I am so excited to see Langston play beside Keontae George next year. I'm uh, so, oh, no. we have things to get to, but I am so so excited for that two guard matchup in the backcourt. And I mean, that's assuming that Cryer and flat, like Cryer will probably stay. I mean, we could have another four guard rotation next year. We have, we have Eric Gordon coming to play for us. Like that's, that's essentially, we have Eric Gordon coming. I cannot wait to watch that kid play. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so we were talking about A&M and how much they suck now. So I want to talk about another team that sucks, which is the Oregon ducks. Um, which is Baylor's next matchup. And Brandon, I, I believe you've been doing some research on this game. I have. And honestly, it's been a bit harder to research this game than Villanova because there's not a lot to say when a team is supposed to be good and then they suck without any injuries to account for it. Um, but I have I have some statistics to throw at you guys. I know that Cody Orr is, is our, our Daily Bear stats guy and he does a great job, but I couldn't help but just look at some trends. And and I, you know, I I said this in our DMs earlier this week, but Oregon, there's there are six or excuse me, there are seven major team categories on ESPN for college basketball. There's points per game, assists per game, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, three-point percentage, rebounds per game, blocks per game, and steals per game. And Oregon ranks outside of the top 200 nationally in six of those seven categories. And the one that they rank inside the top 200 is field goal percentage, and they're tied for 162nd. Um, <laughs> So there are actually two of those where they're ranked outside of the three, the top 300 nationally of the 351 teams or so. So um, all that to say, I expect a good showing for the bears. It is truly though, our first true road test. So yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. What are, what are your thoughts on the, on the well, I was just saying like the, the only thing that gives me pause is that it's, we, we, all these wins and that we've played, like we've now had a true road game. Mm-hmm. Only time we've been away from from Waco has been in the Bahamas, and that's a neutral site. Right. And how the team will react when you're on the road, and what would presumably be a hostile environment. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a big matchup, even though they aren't, you know, playing up to what they thought they would. Oregon, mm-hmm. um, coming into the season, uh, it is it's a long flight from Waco to yeah. Eugene. So, and that's the only thing that I would I would think about that game. Yeah. And you got to think, I mean, realistically, with the way the season is trending, Oregon needs a statement win in the worst way. Right. Yeah. I think Baylor wants the win and, and you know, needs the win to continue to build the case as separating themselves from the competition on, on a ranking standpoint. But you, this is essentially Oregon's get up game and say, you know, the first 10 were a fluke and we are a legit, you know, basketball team this year. Um Man, when I, I was watching some tape on the Ducks, and and really there's there's two guys that that really concern me that I think could get hot in a hurry from three, and that's Will Richardson um, and Eric Williams Jr. Uh, Eric Williams is a four, but he has a good he's a good stretch forward, um, but really it's Will Richardson. I mean, he leads the Ducks in scoring. Funny enough, he actually his freshman year was the last time Oregon and Baylor played each other when the. Uh, the Peyton Pritchard led ducks came to the Farrell center to play the Mackay Mason led bears, which is pretty that matchup was wild. I remember sneaking down into those black high donor seats as a student <laughs> in that game up close and personal. Um, but Will Richardson is a great, a great guard. And 
and he he can get hot in a hurry. Um, in all of Oregon's wins, he's shot well from three, like above 50% from the three-point line, and in all their losses, he hasn't. So I think it comes down to defending him. So How are they five and five? Like, really? Yeah. Dana Altman is, is, by all accounts, a great coach. What's yeah. going on? I Yeah, it's, it's really, I think, so, you know, the, the new transfer rule either is really positive or really negative. Um, and you have some teams that can really put it together. But with Oregon, they've had two of their starters come in as, as transfers, and I think it comes down to whether or not they're gelling. So Davion Harmon came over from Oklahoma, um, who so Baylor's seen him. He's uh, another starting guard for Oregon. And in every game that Baylor's played Davion Harmon, they've held him below 50% from the field. Um, so I think that's a good matchup. And then Quincy Guerre came from Syracuse, and he's a stretch four, also a great player. Um, but I think it just comes down to getting in rhythm and just getting their mental together. I mean, they have a lot of talent. It's just why, I don't know why it hasn't come together. They just haven't looked like they moved the ball well. Um, they don't really – they haven't communicated great on defense. But, I mean, it's college basketball. It can change whenever. I mean, you see upsets all the time. So, Right. I'm, and, I mean, I'm and- – Good. They're a town. They're, I mean, they're they're a power five school mm. that recruits well and has a good coach. I mean, it, by by all accounts, they could go out and probably beat anybody in the country. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they haven't played the worst schedule. I mean, they lost they lost that huge. They lost big time to BYU in that game where it just kind of fell apart. But they lost to Houston. Well, they 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 lost to Houston. I didn't look at the score. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, they got the doors blown off them. They lost to Arizona State, who we beat by 12. Uh, they play Portland tonight. I just looked it up. They're up 22 to 11 to Portland. And Portland's pretty good, like playing decent basketball this year. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the loss the loss that really sticks out to me is, is St. Mary's on a neutral site. I mean, I know St. Mary's has had some good teams throughout the years, but losing by 12 to St. Mary's is, is I think, a tough – a tough loss uh, for Oregon when we, they have the coach that you mentioned and the talent that you mentioned, but I don't know. I think, it, I think it'll be a better game than people think. Um, but ultimately I think that our depth will shine because Oregon really only has six guys that play more than 20 minutes a game. And so they're going to be rotating, you know, kind of the same six. And, and then from there, it's just going to be who, who has the endurance, I think in the second half. Speaking on our rotation, do you think it stays as deep as it, as it has been all year? Yeah, so it was a little bit deeper in the battle for Atlantis um, and a little bit deeper, right, in some of our other games like Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Nickel State, et cetera. Um, I, I think that the the guy that's kind of on the fringe is, is Dale Bonner. Um, so big transfer from a D2 school. He has the frame that we really need as a guy that I think could be a good facilitator off the bench for a Kinjo. But I still think the rotation um, – what we saw against Villanova is probably what it's going to be like, right? Like that's going to be the level of talent we're playing when it matters in March. That's going to be what we're seeing at a lot of the big 12 games from a talent perspective, um, especially with the surprise that is Iowa state this year. I feel like it'll be those starting five and then, you know, EJ will come off the bench. So Ann Cryer, um, and then, uh, Oh my gosh, why am I blanking? EJ Sohan Cryer. And yeah, I think we'll just rotate to eight. I don't think we'll go to nine. So gotcha. Yeah, I think I think that's a we've talked about how it's our first true road game, and we need one because no matter if Iowa State's the real deal this year or not, you know, they're going to be rocking 
in Hilton. Yeah. Like that arena is going to be insane. It's on New Year's Day. Uh, so every everybody's going to be packing that place and it's and Hilton Magic. They want it. They want it back. They're undefeated and they probably will be undefeated in a top 10 team in that game. So mm. Joe's good thing we're getting a road game out of the way. Fan. And that's not Sohan and Kendall Brown's first experience, you know, on the road in college. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a good I mean, that's a great scheduling strategy from Drew. Right. I mean, I think we always have kind of one of these get up and play road games. Um, and I think it, it makes sense for it to be a team that I think drew has a pretty good relationship with Dana Altman. I mean, we've played, we've only played three times in the past, but I, from what I understand, the schedule of this kind of came together. COVID, there was some ambiguity on what could and couldn't be done from non-conference play earlier in the summer. Um, at least I, I saw a tweet <laughs> that, that was speaking to some of those relationships. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, especially how the freshmen respond for sure. And I wonder if James Akinjo, you know, he was, he was at Arizona. He was in the, the PAC 12, if he has anything to say, like he's probably played these guys mm. and he played them last year. Right. So I think we can hope for some of his leadership to, to shine through there. All right. Well, let's dive into the nitty gritty. We'll go, we'll go round table real quick. Let's get picks who wins. Would you give me, give me score prediction, Austin, let's start with you. Okay. I think, uh, given the fact that it is a road game, like we've talked about, it's a little bit more of a dicey game at first, but I think to Brandon's point, I think our depth and just like, I think the athleticism just shines through. And I think second half, we run away with it. I'm going to go with a 71 to 52 final Baylor Bears win by 19. I like it. Matt, what about you? Um, yeah, even though it is the like first true road test, I think, that uh, Baylor's just that good of a team, and you know Oregon's you know record speaks for itself. So I can see us having another you know twenty point win. So I'll go next. I think it's a another thing that's weird about this one is it's a nine p.m. T- tip off for for their body clock. If we're going to play body clock games here, um, and it's on it's the first road game, and I mean Oregon they played they just. They've played a little bit better. They're not getting blown out as much. But I still, I, I'm going to say, I, I'm looking at this one as an 80 to 65. That's what I'm going here. 15 point win for the Bears. I don't think it'll be over 20. Brandon, give me yours. Yeah, so uh, I think something to note here that we haven't yet touched on is that Oregon turns the ball over at a pretty high rate. Um, and Baylor turns team, teams over at an even higher rate. Um, so I think that we're going to see a lot of steals from our guards um, as a result of lack of guard depth on their side. That's going to um, result in a lot of fast cha- uh, fast break and opportunities and also second chance points, because I think we're a better rebounding team than them. Um, I think it's going to be Baylor 79, Oregon 59. I think we're going to hold them to under 60. I think we're going to have a great defensive performance again. Um, and I just think that our length is going to cause them issues from behind the arc, which is where when they've won, they've shot well from downtown. And I think that the guys will be ready for that. Um, and I'm also predicting a double double from Jeremy Sohan. He was one point against Villanova and I think he gets it done, uh, gets it done against Oregon. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Nova was pretty good at shooting three pointers before they played us. So they were. I don't think, right. I don't think we're too. 
too crazy. If anyone's interested, I uh, I did pull up the stats just because I think, and then we can pivot away from the Baylor Baylor basketball or Baylor Nova uh, recap and and Oregon preview. <laughs> um, but Villanova shot twenty two point two percent from three and twenty two point two percent from the field against us. So. They only made 12 field goals and they only made six threes. And I think that Baylor's, I mean, defense travels. So I think we'll be in good shape. Makes, you know, it makes me think of the question I asked you earlier. Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, my, my people are getting on it. We'll confirm, but early results say it is probably pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. And I'm All right. early on the Flagler breakout game prediction as well, but I think you saw a little bit more of him being comfortable getting in the paint. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to drive against the Ducks also. Yes, man, as, as when that, that hand just keeps healing and healing and healing, and it, he'll just yeah. keep getting better. So, yeah, agreed. Um, so, Matt, we had some other cool stuff happen today um, on in a non-basketball sport. So, Baylor has this sure. other team that, that plays in the fall sometimes. It's called American football. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it or follow it at all from, from a Baylor standpoint, but um, today was the day that we signed new players that are going to come out of high school and play for our team, National Signing Day. Um, did you guys pay attention at all to the recruiting that was going on today? I'm curious, before we dive into the recruiting, is the team that, that these recruits may have signed to play for, did they are they pretty good? Did they win anything of... of- you know, worth noting lately or anything like that. You know, I know you're referencing American football, but just please refresh me, Matt and Joe, what's happened lately in that sport for us. Yeah. So I know most everybody that listens to this is probably like a premier league fan. And when you hear football, you think what we would call soccer in America, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Baylor has a different kind of football team. And as a matter of fact, they did, they won and they won what's called the big 12 championship this year. Um, And yeah. And that would be like the equivalent of winning like the premier league. Mm. pretty amazing that sounds like good news yeah yeah Yeah. and it it happened to be baylor's third big 12 championship which uh tied is a small school um in austin called the university of texas you know it's the same number of championships they have so that happened this pains me to say and and if pros francis listens to this then he's gonna laugh at me on twitter but because i'm a tottenham fan but i'm starting to believe that texas is just tottenham They've got, they've, That's they've got, they've night. got all the money in the world, but none of the hardware to show for it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Money doesn't buy championships and Texas has been buying nothing for about 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Makes me pretty happy. So speaking of buying, we're, we're in a new era of college football recruiting. We saw some crazy stuff happen today mm. and it almost all centered around money. We saw the number one recruit in the country say no to Florida state and he's going to Jackson state to play for Deion Sanders. I think it's awesome. Amazing. I love it. He's reportedly getting something like a million dollars to go there from, from someone. Um, and then what we, you know, speaking of the university of Texas, they were just paying every possible kid that they could to come there. And be- they firmly believe that they've solved all their woes with the number five recruiting class in the country. Mm. Uh, Texas A&M threw money around. They were the number one recruiting class in the country. Uh, but if there's anything I've learned from the last two coaching staffs that we've had, give me a three-star kid that's coachable and fits a system and has desire to play over a five-star kid that is worried more about his Instagram followers or if he's going to have a pro career or whatever it is any day of the week. Like I'll take J- give me, 
give me 11 Jalen Petries because we turned a three-star recruit into a, a consensus All-American. So, Which we'll um, have to dive into that, too, after we talk. Yeah, absolutely. We're, yeah. we're going to – we'll give Petrie his love. But since it happened today, did you guys follow any of the recruiting? Uh, Matt, did you see anything that was going on today? Um, well, I was following it. Um, I have my Twitter notification set to where, like, anytime, like, Baylor football tweets up now, I get, like, a an alert. So, I mean, I was keeping up with it. Um, the biggest thing happened at the end of the afternoon, which was um, Armani Winfield, who is a wide receiver from Louisville, who was a one-time Texas commit, decommitted, and then he was kind of a, a Texas lean, I think, going into today. Uh, he ended up going with Baylor and, uh, you know, picking the Bears and signing that letter of nas- uh, intent letter to Baylor. And I think that was a big win for um, – for Dave Rand and Baylor football for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like as a four-star guy, um, I think, you know, that's a lot of that has to fall on Chancey Stuckey too in terms of yeah. what he's done to develop talent and, and instill scheme and, and Grimes as well, right? And so, yeah. And I'd even say like um, there's, there's a uh, – I don't know if he's an analyst or – a Joshua Atkinson, he works with the wide receivers as well. I mean, he he was big on, I think, in that recruitment as well. Mm-hmm. I think Winfield is exciting, too, because there's a lot of opportunity going into the next season at the receiver position. I mean, unfortunately, we lose Tyquan Thornton. Unfortunately, he, yeah. those are our two biggest producers on the on the receiver front. And so it's nice because you get a, a high recruit like that and flip him from a rival, an in-state rival, which is an awesome win for Aranda's staff, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, there's arguably a play now mentality for him. Like he has a real shot at actually getting in there and getting some serious playing time next year. And we're going to need the help of receiver. So I was happy to see him uh, choose us and go with the right move for him instead of UT. Yeah. As much as I love Taekwon and Sneed, and I I absolutely love those guys this year. And I think last year we were really missing that. Just go get it. Like, you know, for a long time, we had Mims. That was the guy that we could say, it's third down. We we need it. Just just get it. Just go get us the first down. And that watching this kid's tape, that's what I feel of it. Like, he reminded me of Mims a little bit. He's he's long. He's physical. Uh, Travis Roeder talked about today how, like, the best part of what he does is the first three steps in his route. He fools corners in that first part of it, which allows him to get open. But man, I, I, anytime you can snipe something away from Texas, because they wanted him, they yeah. really did. It that's yeah. huge. And they were I mean, his offer sheet was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan yeah. State. Like he had a lot of good ones on there. But you're right, Joe. Because like all the years, like all these years that Baylor has been a prevalent football program, probably over the last, I mean, ten since Griffin won the Heisman, we've had like a go-to guy. Mm. Right, we had Terrence Williams, Antoine Goodley, Katie Cannon, like all these guys that have been, and then Mims. And you have all these guys, Coleman, oh, yeah. the Blitnikoff Award winner. Yeah, like we had all these great players, and like yeah. they, yeah, that guy, he was pretty, pretty awesome. So I mean, like all that to say, like we we missed that this year. And Taekwon is awesome, but he doesn't have that same type of feel as like I'm gonna go up and absolutely dominate whatever corner I'm playing. Um, he's like, he has so good games, but he also has games where he's totally silent. Mm-hmm. It's nice that we got a guy like that. I think like Joe was saying, like the thing about him is 
speaking to what Travis's like um, evaluation was like, he's going to beat you at the line. So like once he's going to, he's going to make your move. And once he's past you, like you're toast, like that's it. And um, yeah. I think especially going with um, speaking of that, going to, you know, you add him to like Jordan neighbors, who is also signed, who's mm-hmm. more of that um, Sneed kind of like a, a smaller, shorter um, receiver. Who's going to be like your possession receiver, like a five eleven, one eighty guy. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so you kind of those two guys that you do are missing. You you kind of replenish that room with those type of uh, bodies. Mm. Neighbor, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was gonna say like on Armani's. You know, the first three steps, like Rhoda was saying, that's so key. Again, potentially getting ahead of myself, but so key at the next level also in the pros because like a lot of the guys that play defensive back in the NFL you know, are just as fast as receivers, but it's that first step and how do you beat your guy off the line? And so, um, yeah, I hadn't seen that from Rotor yet. That makes me really excited about Winfield. And, and in terms of neighbors, I mean, he's that guy that, I mean, I just, I follow him on Twitter. I followed all of our recruits on Twitter, like all of the accounts ask us to do because I'm a loyal Baylor fan and just some of his tape. It's just, I mean, he's just physical too. Like despite being a smaller possession guy, I think he uses his hands well to disengage defenders, which is exciting. What were you going to say, Austin? I was going to say like exactly what Brandon said. <laughs> Point, Matt, like you literally are like, he's a small possession receiver and you're hundred percent right. But if you like look at the tape on that guy, like hand up, he would beat me in a fight and I'm 10 years older. <laughs> like that dude is a beast. He's like, jacked. He is jacked. Yeah. He's, he's scared. The- the fun, the funniest part about his announcement today was, if you guys haven't seen it, there's there's a video of him making his announcement, and he, instead of picking a hat, he stands up and he's wearing a jacket, and he goes to unzip it, and is like, "No, nah, I'm gonna take it off," and he lifts it up, and his shirt comes up, and he's just got this chiseled six pack there, and yeah. the woman that's recording goes, "Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. That's so true. Yeah, he's a he's a beast. He's gonna be good for us, I think. So." That I, I had mentioned to some folks earlier in the week that like I normally don't get excited about recruiting day in like since the rule era because mm. we normally we we get our kids they commit we don't really have we're not really in many battles later on down the road it's just okay our guys commit and they come in and they sign there's no surprises and this was a huge surprise today like it went yeah. at four o'clock when I start Twitter start blowing up about I, was, I didn't even know we were in the running for this kid. I just assumed the 19 that we had on the list were the 19 we were going to get today. Um, so out of the original 19, is there anybody in that group that sticks out to, to either of you guys? Yeah. So there, there's really three guys that stick out to me. Um, the first one is, is Bryce Simpson, the offensive uh, tackle from Cy Ranch High School. He's 6'5", 315. And I watched some of his tape and his – I mean, I know we've talked about first step on the wide receiver side, but if you talk about how quick he is from a tackle and having to be able to either seal the edge on some of these quicker defensive ends, um, I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed with him and his tape. I'm excited about it. Um, I think if he gets the opportunity to come in and, and learn under any, uh, some of the alignment that have been there you know, this year and hopefully next year, um, I think he has a lot of upside. Um, and then just two more guys that I'll mention are actually both tight ends. And I think that is a big part of Grimes' system is Cody Malentka. I think he's kind of an X factor from a development perspective. And then I don't think we could talk recruiting without talking about Robert's day out of Missouri. I mean, Absolutely. 
from he's listed as an edge, but he played tight end as well. And, and I think that we have a lot of opportunity there. So those are the three guys for me that I'm excited about. And I think uh, Ken Roberts day, he also played the running back. Um, yeah, his highlight, his highlight yeah, tape like, in the Baylor tweet today was like a 99 yard run. Yeah. The first so, I mean, play was that the one. Yeah. He like lined up in the, or they were at the one he was in the end zone, took a handoff. And I was like, this guy's position says edge. <laughs> like I'm already not very smart, but I can't put these dots together. You know? Yeah, I think for uh, for Robert today, I think he's probably going to be listed as a you know athlete. He's going to play like H back, tight end, that type of thing. But if you look at the what I took away, look just looking at the signees is like we're kind of offensively we're leaning hard into that twelve personnel. We're going to run two tight, one running back, and um, and run everything out of that formation because you can run spread concepts from twelve personnel, and that's I think that's what we're um, we have a lot of athletes on the at the tight end position sign three tight ends in this class mm-hmm. to go along with the um, existing talent and that we have on the roster at, right now. Yeah, I, I was gonna say to you like the the only other one that really like said other ones that you guys mentioned was was Richard Reese just because mm-hmm. we need running back. I mean, yeah. losing we're losing both our guys. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, only got one year of stardom as a running back, which looks like he should have been doing that the whole time. And then, uh, and then Abner, obviously. And so it's just nice to continue to fill the backfield because we're a run heavy offense and that's how we open up the pass. So I'm excited that we at least signed a running back and we have people in the pipeline to continue developing for our offense. I am, I am in love already with Colton price, the offensive lineman out of Bowie and like, sure. I watched that dude's tape and he's a mauler. Just he, he is, he, he, I I don't know if he can pass block, but that kid just wants to (laughs) kill people. Like when he's out there on the field, he looks angry. I, I, and considering the offensive line woes that we had a few years, it's just so nice that we have a guy like Eric Mateos that's coaching them and just so excited to bring these kids in. Offensive line is going to end up being a strength. That's so weird. Yeah. If you if if someone would have told me that Baylor offensive line would be a strength this year and going forward after watching last year's tape, I mean, I think it speaks to the scheme in a lot of ways, right? So, and just the the development and coaching on Mateos' side. Yeah. We literally had an an all American offensive lineman, and our offensive line <laughs> not block anything last year. Yeah, it was awful. That's a great segue right there. So yes. we're talking about the kids that are coming in. Let's talk about a couple of the kids that are going out. You just mentioned we have a. An offensive lineman on this team who's an All-American. Who is that, Austin? That is Mr. Galvin, man. Tyler Galvin has had a heck of a year. I'm very excited for him because, one, beginning of the year, our offensive line got a lot of statistical love uh, just because, yeah, we were playing some not great teams. But, like, the fact that he consistently performed through the Big 12 gauntlet was sweet. And the fact that we had an All-American, after Brandon mentioned, our offensive line was rough last year. I mean, I know it was a different offense with a lot of different personnel, but when Brewer was playing quarterback, he was getting absolutely destroyed. Yeah. I mean, the offensive line cannot block anybody. And the fact that our quarterbacks had tons of protection, which opened up the run game really well, it's a huge reason as to why we've been successful. God, I I, I love Grimes and Mateos. Man. That, we – just it just shows you how good of a coach Dave Aranda is that he can take a step back after year one, get you know, and you, you never want to see guys lose jobs. But Larry Fedora and, and the other guys that got, that got let go, they just weren't performing. 
And then he goes out and he he finds the right dudes to come in and do it. And then we have the alignment in our athletic department with a guy like Mac Rhodes that says, sure, here's the money that it's going to take. Go get go get the guys that you need. Pay your assistance. I mean, that's huge. Um, but that wasn't the only All-American we had. And there's another guy on this team that I think I think people might love more than maybe any other Baylor football player in recent memory. Um, who didn't win the Heisman. Yeah, who didn't win the Heisman. He, he may be the most beloved defensive Baylor player since Mike Singletary. I, I don't think that's too crazy to think. Um, and that's Jalen Petrie. And he's a consensus All-American from a three-star, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, Matt, Matt, talk to me about Petrie. Well, everyone's pretty familiar with the, the Jalen Petrie story. Like he was the one commit that was stuck with Baylor. Rule gets hired. You know, he he sticks with his commitment and he kind of, I mean, I think for me, I was trying to think about his early years, you know, with, with Matt Rule, and he kind of got lost in the shuffle because he didn't have even like a, a positionless player. Was he a linebacker? Was he a safety in that defense? And it really took Dave Aranda, Ron Roberts coming in and saying, well, he's a, he's a, exactly that he's a hybrid player he's going to play our star position and then since that you know changeover to that regime he's just blown up on the uh, big 12 and on the national scene for sure and i think that he's just um, he's just going to be like for me something needs to be named after Jalen petrie like there needs to be like a field or a building or something the new practice facility. I think they've already named that, but it can be like Petrie practice field or yeah. something. That, yeah. Yeah. It's the fudge center or whatever. <laughs> the fudge center, the Petrie practice field or, or something. Yeah. No, I, I think- saw somebody mention, like, if you remember, I think it was the, uh, the two and 11 or the, the two and nine or the one and 11 year. Sorry. I can't do math right now. Um, but the one and 11 year when we won, he, they let him go turn Pat Neff green. And I saw somebody yeah. mention on um, on Twitter that that should become a tradition and like his name that every mm-hmm. time we win a game, like the MVP or the player of the game or the game ball or somebody that does something to help us win that game is the is the player that gets to go turn Pat Neff green that night. And I think that would be super cool. So if I'm they're, hearing you right, yeah. I think you, you, we need to rename Pat Neff Hall like Jalen Petrie Hall, right? <laughs> that that's where I thought you were going with that when you said that that would be a cool tradition. I was like, is he gonna like uh ask for Petrie Hall or something? But I, I would be in. I don't Pat Neff, I mean, I'm sure he was a tremendous person. I don't know the Baylor history like that, but Petrie's done more for me in recent memory than Pat Neff has. So I dated a girl in college that was like a five like time legacy at Baylor. Her entire family forever had gone to Baylor. And her grandfather was in the Nose Brotherhood and way back in the day and stuff. But he always told me that the, the one story he would always tell me about Pat Neff was that he got fired for being the president of Baylor because he wanted Harry Truman to come talk on campus. And Harry Truman openly drank whiskey and played poker. And the Baptists didn't like that back then. So they fired Pat Neff for bringing <laughs> That's the only story I've ever heard about Pat Neff. And I have no idea if it's true. Well, <laughs> well now, I'm, now I'm in on Pat Neff. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I want more things named after Pat Neff. Yeah, maybe we split the difference and we go Petrie Neff. Yes, there we go. 
I would be cool with like with with having the number eight become special and it's assigned to like a, a senior or something every year that's like means something special to the it's like the captain's number. I don't know. I think something I, but I agree something needs to be done for Petrie. Maybe maybe they add him over to the immortal ten statue and you know put a little more <laughs> with Jalen over there. Just, they're, they're just, the wee of us. Statue right? of him over there. Yeah. You just above well, them like with angel wings flying above them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> flying over them. He has yeah. to have angel wings. <laughs> Jesus, that's the one. <laughs> but the they are the we of us and Jalen Petrie. Yeah, um, they are the we of us. That's right. Yeah, I remember very clearly when when Petrie announced he was committed because Austin and I were still that was our senior year, right? Yeah, yeah. we were still at Baylor. Um, and I just remember his quote about like, I didn't commit to Baylor just to play football. I'm committed to the education, to develop yeah. my faith, to develop as a man, and then to be a football player or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. He probably said something about how he loves his mom too, because he can do no wrong. But I just remember being like, this is a guy I, I want on campus. And he, if you think about it, he was such a cornerstone in what the program is today. I mean, it's just, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Petrie. He also is like the reason, like the story that, you know, you mentioned, Matt, like how it's very well documented. That's the kind of stuff that makes like you love sports. It's like yeah. besides off field stuff, it's like that's one of those things where you can go back to it and be like, this is why sports are the best and why I want to follow Baylor sports all the time. Because you have a story like that, like that's really, really, really special. And the fact that he stuck with us and now it's an AP All-American first team because he is freaking awesome too so i mean like i want to speak to off field but also i mean on the field this year the dude he was a monster picks tackles it's 17 and a half tackles for loss that is (laughs) as a safety and he's a safety (laughs) that's a long way to run (laughs) so i mean he was just he was special and an all-time baylor guy for sure probably second greatest bear from a football perspective behind griffin Dude, I just remember there were so many so many plays this year where he you could tell they were really trying to use him to confuse the quarterback because he would be like dropping back, coming up. And as a fan, I'm watching and I'm like, honestly, don't know what the heck he's gonna be right now, but it's gonna work. You know, like he yeah. just had confidence in the scheme and in Petrie to execute. It was, yeah, it was incredible. Well deserved all American for sure. Just knowing how Dave Aranda is with his desire for chaos on the defensive end. Like I firmly believe that there was just so much ad libbing going on pre-snap where yeah. he and Bernard, he and Bernard, like I want to know for sure, but they're like going in the huddle and Bernard's like, all right, I'm going to go into the a gap and act like I'm blitzing. You stay 10 yards back and then you go crush the quarterback. And they're just sitting there like, hey, yeah. they have no idea what the hell we're going to do here. Yeah. Yeah. And Dylan Doyle is just sitting there saying, I'm going to go put my head in somebody's gut. Yeah. <laughs> And go and go two thumbs up. (laughs) I love I loved like the the yin and yang of Dylan Doyle and Terrell Bernard at linebacker because Bernard is so like he doesn't ever do like the normal linebacker stance. He's always kind of just like lurking around, walking, talking to it. And then Dylan Doyle, he's like the the perfect I'm a coach's son, hands on his knees, ready to go in like ready position before every play. I love those two together. Yeah, they're fun. Dylan Doyle had to hold like that linebacker position for 30 seconds before he could eat at the dinner table or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's having to do like wall sits before dinner. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh after the first game of the year against uh or no, it might have been the second game because I don't think any of us could actually watch the Texas State game because of that production value. But after the Kansas <laughs> game, I, I tweeted out like Dylan Doyle looks jacked in all caps, and his brother who doesn't follow me found it and liked it. So I'm guessing he was just like searching his brother's name. Yeah, he was like, Hell yeah, my brother looked jacked. <laughs> <laughs> and if you hear him like his like um, when he meets with the media or anything like that, like he's such a nice kid. Oh yeah. Like he's like praising the other team, but Oh, he's such a good kid. And then you're like, man, you're a linebacker. And every linebacker I've met, they're crazy. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I'm, I, it'll be interesting to see how this next group or the people waiting in the wings will, will fill those positions, but we're definitely going to miss all those players um, moving on to the next level. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see if we are in the running for any of the LSU transfers, because there's a number of transfers, including a former five-star corner that's in the transfer porter from LSU. Is that Eli and, Ricks? Yeah, I think so. Well, he committed and, to Alabama tonight, so. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> you're, you're in on all the Louisiana <laughs> stuff, so. I got an alert from uh, the athletic. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so. We've talked about football and we've talked about Oregon and playing them. Another interesting thing happened this week, and that was Dave Aranda yet again didn't take another job as Oregon did not hire Dave Aranda. So just wanted to mention that and say, ha ha. Um, I was told I was told by um, reporters that Dave Aranda was going to be moving on. Ten times. 10 times this year. Uh, Austin, Austin and Brandon, was there ever a point during the silly season of the coaching carousel that you believed that Dave Aranda might leave or were you just secure and everything the whole way? I'll say hand up. Nobody's more insecure of anything sports related than I am. So I, every tweet that came out, I was like, shit, he's gone. <laughs> somebody else took that job. I was like, Nobody has more loyalty than my king, my bald king, David. And so I'm, I, I don't know. I just, it was Twitter is just a roller coaster of emotions for me when it comes to sports. And so it was just a second by second thing. But I think it like deep down, I, I felt like he was going to stay. Um, I know all coaches say the right things oftentimes, but I don't know. I watched his opening press conference on ESPN plus when, when they did that. And, you know, the fact that he like brought his wife and kids up, I was just like, I feel like he wants to be in Waco. And then it also, I mean, to the LSU transfer piece, like getting Ika to come to wake, like come to Baylor, I think just speaks to the culture he's trying to build and like guys that he knows trust him. So I, I, I never really thought he was going to go anywhere except for the exception of maybe USC just from the Southern California tie. But what about you, Austin? I, I think that, I'm not quite as like go with the wind on my sports takes as Brandon is, but I also do think that it was an, it was an understandable worry with USC because you have a family member who lives out there, like his brother, and he seems to be a family man. Uh, He seems to be a guy who wants to be around his loved ones and cares about him. And so I was a little worried about USC particularly, but when the rumors of like Washington come out, I'm like, why would you go to Washington? That's a worse job. Like, Mm -hmm. And, and then all these other rumors start coming out, maybe LSU, maybe Florida. But I think once that initial wave stopped, I didn't really worry because a lot of the jobs I didn't think were as prestigious as certainly some of the ones that were open previous, but also even just Baylor. Like 
Baylor cannot like we have to basically get to a point as a football program where we're not a stepping stone job. And, you know, I think like Coach Bryles had that type of mentality. Obviously, a lot happened there. But that to say, Matt Rule never had that mentality. No. Um, and now Aranda kind of feels like, hey, this is a place I want to build into a powerhouse, like a Clemson model that Dabo did, as opposed to this is a place I want to go to succeed for a few years so I can get a bigger job. And I feel confident now. So USC never actually scared me because I just, I never read or saw anything that made me like actually believe it might happen. And plus I've, I've, I've heard and been told and read numerous things now further down the road about Aranda kind of not like liking being a part of the quote unquote football machine. He liked it at LSU when he. Did we lose Joe? I think we lost Joe. Okay. I'll finish him sentence. I think, you know, what he was saying. Right, was, you back, yeah. Joe? We lost you for oh. a second. Oh, did you lose me for a second? He froze up in the middle of your sentence. So. Oh, no, whatever. Uh, but anyway, I, basically, I was just saying, like, I don't think he's the kind of coach that wants to go run a football machine. Where I did get a little nervous was when they were talking about Chip Kelly going back to Oregon and UCLA opening. Because I'm not going to lie, I think Dave Randa at UCLA would be like a crazy good fit because it's it's not like crazy football fan base. They're not going to come after you. It's the secondary team in a major market that has plenty of other things that people care about. It's home for him, like you guys said. And he's mentioned how Baylor lets him be quirky. Like, I feel like UCLA is the perfect kind of place for an intellectual, thoughtful kind of guy mm-hmm. who is going to recruit intelligent and thoughtful players that want to come play for him. So if UCLA ever came open, that's where I would be like, eh, maybe I'm a little scared. If he would have gone to UCLA, I would have been like, yeah, he's actually hunting Lincoln Riley like this. <laughs> <laughs> because my word. I was going to say, you know what? That is actually a really good like a good idea and i think you're right joe so cut that from the podcast for sure. <laughs> i don't want anyone to hear that so don't let ucla hear it i don't yeah because that actually makes a ton of sense that's a good point so it sounds like everyone was more secure than i was and maybe i just have trust issues and so this was more of like a therapeutic moment for me talking about aranda's coaching search. so, this was so to be honest that. with you it's <laughs> it's mostly because i'm just so jaded <laughs> like yeah. I've, we've been through so many head coaches in so few yeah. years that I was just at the point. I was like, if he leaves, he leaves, whatever. I don't think he's going to leave, but whatever. If he goes, he goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, mom was really like, I've just look at a following like Mac Rhodes career. Like he has yet to, uh, from my recollection, make a bad hire. He hasn't. He's and all of his stops. Like, he had Herman at UH even when he hired Barry Odom, I mean, that was a, that was a successful hire at the time, you know, you know, outside influences in, in that program kind of derailed it, but, and then going forward to what he's done at Baylor, I mean, he's, he's kind of been, he's, his batting percentage is, is, is pretty darn good. Mm, which makes me confident in, in the Nikki Colleen hire on the women's yeah. side as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I love her. Yeah, I absolutely do. She's, all I know is that I, I watched her on my television directing the bear pit, and I guarantee you that has not happened yet and will not happen in Baton Rouge. Yeah, you're probably right. 
I also love that she has a big respect for her shoe game. So I remember when she signed, she had on like, I was either like a pair of off-white Nikes or something. And I was like, I, I'm in, I'm in. I don't care what else she does. If she puts on nice kicks, I'm in. She also has, she has coach voice, which, which like she's got, she's got the, the raspy, I yell a lot coach voice and I dig it. Yeah. Like she's, she's a ball coach and I, I think she's going to do wonders here. I agree. I accidentally dove down the women's basketball rabbit hole, but I, when you brought up Mac Rhodes as hires, I was like, she is going to be incredible. For I am, I am down to go down. I am down for the, the women's basketball rabbit hole. We're shooting three pointers this year. What else can you tell me about this team? That Melissa Smith is any credit she or recognition she gets is not enough because she is an absolute baller. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, hand up women's basketball isn't my, isn't my lane. I watch more like as a fan than from like an analytical Mm -hmm. standpoint, but I just, I, I mean, I think that the the scheme she's put together fits the talent. And also if you look at the recruiting class that she signed, like that's huge as well. She's already bringing in top talent. So. Yeah. She just got one of the, one of the best players uh, in the country out of Oklahoma. So Mm -hmm. I think she was a five-star actually. Yes. Yeah. And you, you look at like our past, like, Brittany Griner kind of going on record that uh, how she feels about Baylor and that she would like to have be, you know, recognized by Baylor for what she did contribute to Baylor and kind of for the first time ever, you know, it took maybe the previous coach leaving to kind of open that door for her to you'd be welcome back into uh, the Baylor family. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I have like the Grinch smile on my face right now, just thinking about Nikki Collin being the one that, that opens her arms to Brittany Griner and brings her back into the fold and like a picture of her with her arm around her, like, and just seeing that land on Kim's desk and just <laughs> holding up that like return re- uh, number retirement Jersey. And as it's lifted up into the rafters and mm-hmm. um, the new stadium, it's not Kim Mulkey stadium. I'm going to go, I'm going to stop now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to get it, it, it <laughs> is too much slander. Uh, yeah. I'm not slandering, but I will just say, since Matt brought it up, nobody is, well, that, that might be far-fetched, but I'll sit on this take. Nobody is more excited for the field house on the Brazos, whatever they call it for basketball, than I am. I love the Ferrell Center, but I'm so pumped for the new facility. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, anytime you can get something brand new, why not? And yeah. the other cool thing is, I think I've read, and I may be wrong on this, that my brain may be just going somewhere, but... I think the Ferrell Center is going to stay put and it's going to become dedicated to volleyball and acrobatics and tumbling, which is super cool. Which are also great programs in case people didn't know that Baylor is the number one athletic program in the country. Yeah. Are we good at acrobatics and tumbling? I'm not aware. Um, If you consider six straight national championships good, then yes. Then yes, we are. Okay. I think I'll buy what you're selling, Joe. That is good. All right, guys. Um, any any other like hot Baylor sports topics that that you guys want to touch on? Any you know you've got a microphone in front of you. Anything that you you've been dying to tell the people about Baylor sports? I would just give a shout out for the ten year anniversary of of our Heisman Trophy winner. Um, I as a child, I watched a lot of horrible, horrible Baylor football, and I'll tell you what that guy. Deserves a lot of credit because that beautiful stadium there. He, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yes. See, that, dude, that dude did so much for Baylor. Joe's holding a, uh, I would assume, replica Heisman. At this That's point. the real one. 
Yeah, I, I stole this. No, it's a, it is a full-size replica that my Ohio State buddy got me for Christmas after Griffin won it. <laughs> that is awesome. He, he did so much for Baylor, and on top of that, I actually was, like, really sad when his NFL career kind of ended, you know, recently. And I was like, man, this, this stinks because, you know, a lot of injury dictated the progression of his career. But that to say, he is doing really well as a broadcaster. And I have been super excited to see him on that level. And so a uh, big shout out to Robert Griffin because he is the man and probably forever be the greatest Baylor football player of all time. And yeah. I know podcasting is a... Uh audio medium i want to mention since we did say that joe was holding a heisman our our guest austin and brandon they are wearing their Baylor line jersey so i do want to mention yeah. that they are they're gorgeous in their gold thank you go gold uh for anybody who hasn't purchased your gold sugar bowl apparel feel free to either wear your line jersey if you can find it or purchase a baylor licensed gold piece of apparel so that we can look good at the sugar bowl um, and Matt, thank you for the shout out. This honestly was, it was like the dumbest thing that for work. And he was like, Hey, in the event that, you know, we're doing this podcast and they have their cameras on, I bought, I brought my line Jersey. Do you want to wear yours too? <laughs> look even worse. Do you want to drink Topo Chico seltzer? And I was like, dude, let's just go all in and make these. Dude, I, I love it. Yeah, it was great. Austin, when when I had originally talked about talked to Brandon about coming on, he was like, so by the way, my buddy Austin's going to be in town. Um, He loves Baylor sports and and can talk all day. Or if that's not cool, I can just have him sit there while I talk. (laughs) I I want That's a great point, Joe. And I'm all I'm all for people reading my DMs out loud um, because (laughs) open book. But I wanted to be very clear that I was going to clout chase and make him watch no matter what. So, like, I feel on the podcast with or without him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So, like, give me, give me what's your what's your what's your Baylor sports thing that we haven't talked about yet, Brandon? I, like, honestly, um, my I mean, I follow men's basketball the closest just because I I mean I played basketball primarily growing up and I just love it and like. There are so many, if, again, I know this is a podcast, so we can't see it, but I would pull up and show you guys like my DMs with my friends of just like high school tape of like Kendall Brown and Langston Love. And I've watched every minute on YouTube of Jeremy Sohan's Poland men's national team tape. I mean, it's absolutely horrible. I actually would like to chime in on Brandon's behalf here for a minute because it's pretty hilarious. Brandon is very big on Langston Love, as he mentioned earlier, but also Jeremy Sohan, and he actually decided that it would be a good way to usher him into the Baylor family by he bought a t-shirt that is like the Polish flag and he wore it to the, we went to the opening basketball game where they raised the national title banner and, and he actually wore the flag on his chest to support Jeremy and his opening game at Baylor. <laughs> I love you so much. That's, I, that's Thank amazing. You. It says Polska above the flag and underneath it's just Polish. And I had no idea what it said. I didn't look it up beforehand. It could have been something crazy. <laughs> Looked it up. And I guess it's like the Polish like national chant or something like Poland shall never die. And my wife is just like, you paid money for this. And I'm like, I'm just sad they didn't have two to buy you one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I'll say my hot Baylor take is that um, I think this year's team may be better than last year's team. Um, when they all come together, which is a super hot take since you asked for one. The takes are always hot on my end of the street. But, yeah, I think that we have a ton of talent. It's just how it blends together. So I'm excited for the rest of the season. 
I like I like that take. Um, are either of you guys going to the Sugar Bowl? I am. I unfortunately will not be. My wife's uh, family had a Mexico trip planned over Christmas and New Year's. Um, so this is probably the most degenerate thing about me, but I'll be searching for a casino in Cancun that has American ESPN to watch the game. So that's exciting. <laughs> Brandon will definitely be down in Pina Coladas and hammering the over. 7.45. Uh, I'll be there to support him in person. <laughs> Are you guys going to be there as well? I, Matt, I haven't heard. Are you going? Yes. Yeah, so like, Luckily, like I said, we we talked about it earlier. Like I live in Lafayette, Louisiana, so I'm like a two hour drive away from New Orleans. So yeah, it's it's easy for me to get there. So I will. I'm planning on going for sure. Awesome. Um, right now, I I started off as a no, and then and that was because when I had the discussion. So I have I have an eight month old baby, so it's not easy for me to go to travel things. Yeah, and I had I had the discussion with my wife that I was, I was just going to go to the conference championship game. And no matter what happened, I wouldn't try to go to the bowl game unless it was Houston, unless like for whatever reason they ended up in the Texas bowl. Um, and then after we won and everybody was all excited about going, I, was like, I went in 2019 and I don't want my last bowl experience to be that game. So yeah. I kind of worked on her a little bit and softened her up. And I got, I got like a list of things that had to be done for me to be able to go, which was like, help watching the baby from one of our parents stuff like that i got all of it done and the last thing i had to find was affordable tickets which basically yeah. was cheaper than i paid to go to the conference championship game yeah uh and i wasn't finding that yet and then tonight i got some good news that i may be able to so i i think i'm at like 80 percent that i'll be there but that's awesome. that's my prediction joe you and i had very similar battles to get to the get to the show <laughs> shout, shout out to my wife but she uh, she's very very sweet and letting me go yeah yeah same she's i gotta find her a great christmas present now yeah. um <laughs> absolutely uh so normally we, we we always close out with non-sports stuff we like to talk about what do you like give give us something that you're watching reading listening to outside of sports that that you think is just really cool right now brandon this is super lame so I apologize to everyone who listens to this podcast um, and anyone who knows me personally. I am so in on the voice right now, like, <laughs> like watching it live, voting on the app, the whole deal. Um, so I'm doing that. And then I'm also um, I like set a goal at the beginning of the year to read the whole Bible this year. And I'm, I'm on pace to finish it on December 28th. So nice. Yeah pumping that out as well. So watching the voice is a guilty pleasure and then trying to build it up on, on the reading end. So, yeah. Yeah. Shout out the Bible, best book ever written. Um, I would say uh, on, on my end, uh, me and my wife have gotten into the great British baking show. We were actually talking about that earlier. And I thought that that show honestly would be really stupid. Everything I read about it and heard about it. And now that I've watched it one, I can't stop watching it because of the British accents, but also I'm eating like a lot of sweets ever since it started. <laughs> that like, time of year. So sit there and you watch and you're like, I, I have to like, I have to eat something while I watch this. And so it's been a, a very, very healthy and unhealthy session with the show. It's been fun. <laughs> what about you guys? Yeah. What y'all? Matt, what do you got going on right now? So um, right now 
Uh, you know, I talked about last week, like I'm still in on like Hawkeye, the Disney plus Marvel Hawkeye show. I'm in mm-hmm. on that. But also I'm, I'm anticipating uh, the Witcher on Netflix comes out on Friday. So I'm always oh, back. Finally? The Witcher comes out yes. on Friday. So I'm, I'm super pumped about that. Is that pretty oh, good? Yeah. I never watched that. That's great. Yeah, it. if you like fantasy stuff, it's yeah. it's really really good. Yeah, um, for sure. If you played any of the games, it's really cool too. It follows, I think, it follows more of the book story than the game storyline, but yeah, you'll yeah, at least have some uh, some background in the game. Is that I, the one with Henry Cavill? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, to check that out. He he plays Geralt of Rivia. Um, I so beyond using my free time to play Warzone right now, uh, which is kind of what I've been doing a lot. I, I go through periods where there are two shows that I will at least once a year just start watching a ton of for no reason. And it's um, The West Wing and Top Gear. Wow. And so right now I'm just, I'm just back in a huge Top Gear kick out of nowhere right now. Like it popped up on YouTube for me and I started watching some clips. And now I'm just like, all right, whatever. I'm going to watch Top Gear and the Grand Tour over again. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Man, the top top gear when they all take the lorries on the like the road trip across, I think yes. part of India or something. I, it kills me every time. <laughs> Jeremy, like the lorry, the lorry, Hammond. <laughs> that shows it's just it's it's addictive to me. So I it's I'm great. I am fully back in that. But um guys, I can't thank y'all enough for hopping on. This has been a blast. Uh both of you, man, where, where can the people find you uh, plug anything that you want, anything that you're writing, your Twitter account, your Facebook, your Instagram, whatever, where can the people find you and chat with you and talk to you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N underscore Mac, M-A-C-K. Brandon is spelled weird because my mom never wanted me to have anything personalized as a kid. And that's why I am the way I am today. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> um, yeah, just <laughs> Keep checking out the the Bear Den pod and then any of the Our Daily Bears content. I'm going to keep doing the uh, Baylor men's basketball opponent previews for any big games. And uh, Cody Orr will be doing the stats and then pocket change. will keep it up on the beat. So a lot of good stuff coming out of Our Daily Bears. Um, I'm not very active on social media other than reading sports and news on Twitter. So I uh, will just plug Brandon because he's new to Our Daily Bears and I'm taking on the helm of his uh, biggest fan. So I will be, uh, I'll, I'll shout him out. And then also uh, you can find me at many live sporting events though, usually being one of the louder, more passionate, a little bit, a little bit ruckus fans there. So find me at Baylor games, see at the Sugar Bowl. He's oftentimes the guy that gets escorted out by security and cuffs. That's your, <laughs> that's your guy. Well, Look now you just said that I'm going to, anything like if I have like a very hot take, I'm going to say Austin told me this. And then I'm <laughs> there. You go. Yeah, you just blame it on me. I'll see you guys at the Sugar Bowl. Though. So if you have any questions, follow. You know, go and um, you know get jumping his mentions. That's right. Get me, Joe. Where, Matt, where can find people you? find you? Oh, I guess we're. I'll go first. You can find me as always on Twitter at Matt D Workman. Pretty active there, um, and that's about it, Joe. And mine is the, as I always say, the easiest and shortest Twitter handle of all time as at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. So, um, yeah, this is, this has been a blast. You guys, we're going to, uh, Brandon, Austin, I'll, I'll, we got to have both of you guys back on. This has been a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah. Thanks for jumping on guys. We really appreciate it.
Yeah, I will say if, if you do have any complaints about the podcast, as always, you can file a complaint at Matt is bear. Yep. That is, our, <laughs> that is our official complaint department at Matt is bear. Um, he loves hearing it. Uh, if you, if you have access to his DMS, DM him, uh, and he, he loves it all hours of the night. Okay. Just, just make sure you bookend your DM with "I'm sorry." He loves it. Yes. Apologize to him. <laughs> I'm sorry. This sucked a ton. I'm sorry. That's that's how you need to bookend that. <laughs> I love you so much, Brandon. I love you too. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Podcast Network.